Welcome to the Talking Tall Rounds series, brought to you by the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at Cleveland Clinic. I'm Dr. Paul Kremer. I'm the Associate Director of the Cardiac Intensive Care Unit, and it's my privilege to moderate this session on rescue from cardiac arrest. So today we have a great program, multidisciplinary discussion related to the care of these patients, the medical care, transitions of care, interventional and surgical management. But I think what's gonna make this session uh, especially memorable is that we are incorporating a patient uh, testimonial. Uh, so I'll start by uh, the case, which will be presented by one of our senior cardiology fellows, Dr. Montgomery, who would also like to just take a moment to thank for everything he's done for our educational opportunities with the fellows uh, during the pandemic. Rob? So we start with a case from my uh, J31 ICU month where uh, we saw multiple cardiac arrests um, and which illustrated kind of the team-based approach and sort of um, importance of the post-arrest care um, and prompt recognition of um, the underlying cause. So we start um, not at Cleveland Clinic, uh, you know, in a town of Ravenna uh, with a 60-year-old man with a history of hypertension, hyperlipidemia, active tobacco use, uh, who presents with sudden onset chest pain at work. Uh, EMS is called and EKG shows an anterior STEMI. Uh, on arrival to the local ED, uh, he had a VF arrest, status post prompt uh, recognition and defibrillation uh, times two. A emergency uh, cardiac catheterization showed an LAD occlusion, status post uh, two drug loading steps. He is transferred intubated uh, for post-arrest care. He arrives uh, via our uh, med flight. His initial EKG shows diffuse Q, Q waves, uh, and a uh, initial surface echo shows uh, apical, you know, akinesis with a area of a uh, large anterior MI. MI. Uh, the patient remains intubated overnight with the plan for extubation in the morning. On holding sedation in the morning, uh, the patient becomes diaphoretic uh, and endorses chest pain, uh, and his EKG shows uh, worsening ST elevations. Uh, the outside cath is not available at the time, uh, and so he's taken emergently to our cath lab uh, for uh, ischemic evaluation. Our cath uh, shows uh, two patent stents in the LAD with an open LAD, uh, but there's concern from our interventional cardiologist uh, that his left main uh, coronary artery is much narrower than the rest of his arteries. Uh, an intravascular ultrasound is done, uh, showing good stent apposition uh, in the LAD, uh, but evidence of an intramural hematoma uh, of his uh, left main coronary artery. Uh, because of this and the fact that he was just had two stents and is on dual antiplatelet therapy, uh, intraaortic uh, balloon pump is placed. Um, CTS is consulted uh, for bypass in the setting of a likely a iatrogenic intramural hematoma of his left main coronary artery uh, from his initial PCI. Ticagrelor is stopped, uh, Cangrelor is started, uh, and uh, plan is for a relook cath in 48 hours uh, to evaluate for resolution. Uh, the relook uh, cardiac catheterization is unchanged, uh, and the patient is taken uh, directly. Uh, for four vessel cabbage with a Lima LAD and saphenous vein grafts to the ramus, PDA, and acute marginal. Uh, the patient has an uneventful uh, post-operative course, and he's discharged on post-op day six. Um, 
he has completed cardiac rehab. Um, he follows on our clinical and prevention uh, uh, center. He's quit smoking and he started Evolocumab for uh, statin intolerance. And you know, we are all very grateful uh, for him to actually be able to be here uh, and um, you know, share his story. I'm going to follow up with a lot of what we've already talked about today and take a step back and just discuss what, what is the role and timing of diagnostic angiography as well as PCI in patients that have cardiac arrest, whether that be due to ST segment elevation MI or due to another mechanism. So uh, just as Dr. Phelan said, it's, it's, it's very important up front to understand the mechanism of your arrest so that you can treat it most effectively in an ACLS setting. This is a very commonly encountered issue. It's somewhat controversial. It's an issue that we get presented with all the time uh, as interventional cardiologists. Patients that come in post-arrest may have an uncertain prognosis. Will you take this patient to the cath lab? And it's our job to triage this, work with the providers um, that, are, that are asking as well as the family to come up with the right decision. And really, the, it all comes down to understanding the mechanism of the arrest and what the patient's prognosis is. And, and the initial EKG pre-arrest can be very helpful, as well as the EKG post-arrest. So in patients with ST segment elevation on EKG prior to or after ROSC, those patients should be presumed to have a STEMI. And just as Dr. Bargava said, um, they do much better with immediate coronary angiography and revascularization if, if, if indicated. Now, there's a subset of patients that may have baseline ST segment elevations, subset of patients that may have a non- um, a non-STEMI related reason for a VTVF arrest. Um, however, we can, should, should consider it a default pathway that patients that have ST segment elevation on EKG should be, should be um, taken to the cath lab. Um, patients that have a VTVF arrest that do not have ST segment elevation on EKG, um, you should really strongly consider it. And there's about a third of patients will have a culprit lesion on the catheterization despite not having ST segment elevation. These may be patients with a circumflex um, lesion um, or uh, maybe something that's just um, uh, electrically um, silent. Um, but nonetheless, those are patients that I think there's less ambiguity about. Patients that have an arrest that is not due to VTVF that do not have ST segment elevation on the EKG fall into a, quote, grayer area. And, and these are often patients with PA arrest. And, and the, the pathway that we've been following mostly at the clinic and nationally is to triage patients to a medical or a coronary ICU um, where they can be further evaluated and decision to proceed with catheterization can then be um, decided on really based on the underlying illness and the presumed cause of arrest. So. Um, Dr. Bargava mentioned some favorable resuscitation features. Well, some unfavorable resuscitation features, which we consider are those patients with an unwitnessed arrest without bystander CPR, patients that do not have VF as the initial rhythm, have a prolonged period of ROSC, have an elevated lactate or a low pH, which go hand in hand, patients that are old with other major medical comorbidities. These are patients that we might want to have a, a pause about because their overall prognosis is actually very poor no matter what we do. And it's not just one of these features, but it's the overall picture of the patient that is important to consider. 
as an interventional section, we've actually put a lot of time and effort into, into forming a, a guideline that we can use when we're maybe receiving these patients in the middle of the night and, and trying to decide on what to do. And, and patients that have at least two unfavorable resuscitation features, we, we say as a guideline, those are patients which we, we may decide to triage to the CICU to help, help figure out and then take them to the lab if, if it's evident that ischemia is the cause of their arrest. But a team-based approach is essential. <clears throat> and um, all those, those patients that have a VTVFRS, we do recommend therapeutic hyperthermia, as uh, Dr. Ampersad had, had mentioned. So why do we why do we have this these guidelines and and not to go through all of the data here but I want to highlight the highest quality randomized controlled trial in this area as well as a meta analysis that our group just put together on this. So the COAC trial was a randomized controlled trial in this area very hard to conduct an RCT in this topic but this is a very well done study. Uh, it was well powered to detect outcomes. 552 patients with an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest that did not have ST segment elevation on their EKG upon ROSC. This was a contemporary and generalizable patient population. Actually, about 78% had a witness arrest. They had a relatively reasonable time to ROSC with 15 minutes, and I would argue that's actually better than a lot of patients that we see. And their baseline pH was around 7.2. And with, here you can see a very mild troponin elevation. Sometimes this is something which we encounter where we have patients that have a PA arrest or an unknown you know, cause for an initial arrest and have a very mild troponin elevation. What do you do in those patients? Well, this is the, that patient population. What we found was that only around 15% of patients had unstable coronary lesions on angiography. Although the two-thirds of them had significant coronary disease. So coronary disease is very prevalent in general. You're going to find it. What do you do with it in patients that have an out-of-hospital arrest that you're not convinced that STEMI is the cause? Now, this is a, a tough decision that we could put in. Um, a table highlighting clinical outcomes, which I'm going to show even better here in this Kaplan-Meier curve, is that there's really no difference to survival in 90 days between those patients who had delayed coronary angiography or immediate coronary angiography. And these are patients that underwent catheterization within the first two hours versus later, essentially, within a day, sometimes three days, or even longer. There's no difference in survival at 90 days and no difference in neurologic function for this or any of the secondary endpoints. So you can see here is the Kaplan-Meier curves are essentially superimposed on one another. So we took those data and actually all of the other smaller RCTs and prospective studies and did a pooled analysis of this. And this is actually a paper that, that myself, Dr. Kapati, and Dr. Uh, Dr. Verma, uh, among others, uh, are, are now publishing in, in JAK Intervention. This should be coming out soon. So we compared this, this early intervention, or early diagnostic angiography with intervention, if needed, to non-early, which is, in the most cases, more than 24 hours. Definition is somewhat heterogeneous, but that's about the best that we can pin down. There is no difference in 30-day mortality um, or neurologic outcomes. And among patients who did have a culprit lesion and actually underwent PCI, there, there still was no difference in outcome. Again, these are not the STEMIs. These are patients that maybe have an end STEMI, maybe have a PA arrest and are, are found to have a, uh, you know, a, quote, culprit lesion or maybe a lesion which we could consider which somewhat contribute, uh, you know, making contribution to their uh, overall prognosis. But again, no overall difference in mortality and no difference between U.S. or non-U.S. hospitals. So putting it all together, we have a nice algorithm that we use as a section and we've now published called the ACE framework for out-of-hospital cardiac arrest without ST segment elevation. We assess patients based on their cardiac and non-cardiac status for unfavorable resuscitation features. We, we consult as a team approach with the interventional cardiologist, the CICU team, and the family to define short and long-term goals of care, and then we set expectations. 
These expectations should be realistic and upfront we can plan. If these patients need mechanical support, we can plan on that right away. And just knowing that this timing between early and non-early angiography, um, it's, um, it's unlikely to make a difference in those patients without clear STEMI on EKG. So this really just summarizes all of that and just to emphasize this is a team-based approach. It's something that that we really um, enjoy taking part of and playing this role in patients' care. Uh, but again, it's, it's, it's ultimately a shared decision between the interventionalist, the CICU team, and, and the, the patient that the family serving as a surrogate. Thanks. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Like what you heard? Visit Tall Rounds online at clevelandclinic.org slash tallrounds and subscribe for free access to more education on the go.